Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Midweek Metagame. I'm Gabriel Nassif, joined by my one regular co-host, Canister. Hi, hi, hello. Unfortunately, Pat is having a, the weeks of hell, as he said, I think, just super busy with life, so he won't be joining us, but we've got tons to talk about. Canister and I were both competing in tour Chicago last weekend, so we're going to go over that, our testing, why we play some limited, the whole story. Uh, but before we get into that, I'd like to remind you, if you want to support us, the place to do so is patreon.com slash midweekmetagame. Our content will always be free, but if you want to keep us going, it definitely helps, so you can uh, support us there. Well, well, well. Another week, another Pro Tour in the books. It went okay for me. You fell a tiny, tiny bit short, unfortunately. Yeah, just, just a tiny bit. Again, my final result was 9-7, uh, nine, nine, I believe, which was one win short of requalifying for the next one upcoming, upcoming Pro Tour in Seattle. So once again, I've uh, fallen off the train. Uh, how did it go for you exactly? I went 10 and 6. I think I was pretty much qualified for the entire season. So for me, it's about, you know, good finishes and qualifying for Worlds, getting as many APMs, adjusted, adjusted match points as possible, as many wins, basically, as many day twos and wins. Basically, I think if you play all three Pro Tours and you day to all of them, more or less, maybe nine, seven, ten, six. That's usually should be good enough for Walt, I think, in the current system. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's... yeah, the way the current system works, it is that when you actually get the ball rolling and you have uh, the adjusted match points collected from the last three P three PT Pros, because at any point in time, it just looks at your past. Uh, not your at the past three pro tours and your scores at those so if you did like reasonably well at those as you said like day two runs like eight eight nine nine seven those scores will like let you continue playing but once you are out of the system like i was uh after minneapolis earlier of last year uh it's pretty hard to to get back and you know uh, once again i was faced with the situation where i was one win away from requalifying and playing in another one which would then let me start collecting some some of those points but unfortunately fallen short so i have to go back to level zero and currently i'm not even qualified for the upcoming regional championship in, in napoli so I'm still working on that yeah i know you don't play a ton of arena but there's actually um, a qualifier soonish. I think it's Alchemy, and it still qualifies for Seattle. So there's actually one last shot for people uh, who who want uh, to to try and qualify for PT Seattle, but it's obviously a pretty long shot. Anyways, why don't you walk us through your your testing, who you tested with, how you came to play Lotus Field in the tournament, what did your teammates play, limited prep, all that good stuff, stories like non-magic related stories during testing. 
All right, so once again, I tested with the team Sewer Rats, which uh, changes in, in the exact composition pretty, pretty rapidly, let's say, given the structure and the fact that people qualify and or fail to qualify for any, any given tournament. But the group this time mostly consisted of uh, players uh, located in the Polish house, which was uh, where... I was staying for for the tournament. There was actually a pretty group, pretty big group of uh, Polish players qualified for this one, including uh, Przemysław Olszewski, Wojciech Kowalczuk, also known as Zerk, on Magic Online. If you've ever been destroyed by him, only Ogmov, you know who's that. <laughs> and uh, Alan and uh, a few other players. So. We stayed at a at a house together, and we have been collaborating with a larger group of uh, of some extra players, and uh, that was our testing process. Constructed wise, we have mostly been collaborating, but given that the format was pioneer, most people had their pet decks or something on their mind, and uh, we just kind of naturally split into smaller few-person groups of uh, people working on specific archetypes. So I relatively quickly chose to play Lotus Field uh, and uh, just focused on tuning a version of that deck and uh, making it the best I could have for that tournament. In hindsight, I think the choice was fine. I do not mind going with it. But uh, I, th what what do you think about about the strength of the Lotus Field deck, Gab? Let's start with a question. So, I you know historically it's always been a strong deck, and on our team I think LSV considered it for a bit. Um, I know Reed tested it last year round. We we did have like you know big Lotus player player on our team, I guess, and I just felt like the Pro Tour would be a tournament where people would respect it. I know when I was playing Blue White Control online, I had two damping screw in my sideboard because I just realized that you know some decks like blue white if you don't respect it if you don't show up with the the good hate cards you're just not going to be a favorite you know it doesn't matter if you have the counters this that you need something like damping sphere a bus crusher had just been printed you know i know my team we expected lotus field to be more popular than before and mm -hmm. we we showed up ready you know I, my deck was just inherently good against Lotus Field. The people who played Vampire on my team had either three Damping Sphere or two Damping Sphere and Bus Crusher, plus, you know, discard spells and whatnot. And, um, you know, I think Logan had four Damping Sphere in the sideboard of it. Ragdos sack deck, but I think that's something he's been doing for a while. So the deck was good. I'm not sure it was the best medical. If, if you believe in medicals, I thought people would be which with some respect. So I'm curious what your experience was, the list you faced, and if, you know, you had that matchup. Certainly, yes. Or... Certainly, that matches up with my experience. My final result in Constructed was 5-5 five, five this time, 
with a pretty heartbreaking mistake in my last round, which uh, costed me the qualification for Seattle. Yeah, we're actually I... sitting next to each other. And the one time I looked over, you had Zakama in play. So I was like, nice. But then yeah, after yeah, the match, I won that one. Yeah. Yeah, it was a match against Convoke where, like, end of turn two, after I played it, turn one Arboreal Grazer, I had a choice on my Arc Druid's Charm. I could have searched up an Atraxa, which would have been deployed in two turns, or could have searched for a Thespian stage to assemble double Lotus. Mm-hmm. I went with the Thespian stage and then just flooded and never drew anything relevant and died to a an extremely mopey draw from my Convoke opponent. So that was a like I thought it was a judgment call at the moment, but then I just thought about it more. It was just a straight up mistake. I should have have chosen a assuredly in that spot, and I think the game would have been won easily had I done that. But uh, certainly, sometimes uh, I struggle with some decisions like that at uh, bubble matches where you know I have to win to, to qualify for something else. Yeah, I did like almost like a, the same thing earlier, like late last year when I played the Legacy Showcase uh, qualifier. I played in the finals, so you know, one match away from the mocks, and I spent a good amount of time on a single decision, and I ended up choking in a similar matter where I searched a wrong card with my entomb, and I searched for a shoulder instead of a grizzle brand, which also ended up costing me. And it was pretty obvious when I actually thought about it for a longer time afterwards. So uh, maybe uh, it would be, <laughs> maybe sometimes I should just leave uh, the result of my matches to the lack of the draw instead of playing so many tutors. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's tough. I'm, it might not be a coincidence that it happens at the very end of the day, you know, people. I'm sure, like, punted round seven of day two, just lots of pretty bad plays in hindsight, but at the time it kind of seems close. Um, Maybe it's a pressure, maybe you're a little tired. For sure, a combination of those factors. But to come back to your previous question, which I have diverted from, Mm -hmm. uh, my experience at the PT was indeed uh, pretty hateful. Like, lots of my opponents were pretty clearly prepared for Lotus, lots of dumping spheres, sometimes in decks that don't naturally run them, like, you know, I I have faced off against dumping sphere out of Convoke, which uh, is usually not there, yeah. and it hasn't made things easier. Both of my Convoke opponents had main deck Thalias, which clearly not to, to Lotus 2, it makes game 1 much harder. And uh, I managed to lose to a Keruga fire stack because two of the tutor targets that my opponent has chosen to run in their deck were uh, Krenko's Bus Crusher and Kotos, who's the blue-black five-mana legendary that ex- extracts a card. So oh, yeah. certainly s- significant nods towards the Lotus Field deck have been made in my opponent's deck, buildings, deck building decisions. Yeah. That said, like, still, had I not punted the last round, I could have ended with a respectable 6-4 constructed score, which uh, I wouldn't be too mad 
about. So the sheer power level of the Lotus Field deck carried me a little bit. That said, I think at this point the legend of the Lotus, Lotus Field deck's strength kind of... Uh, grows looms larger than its actual threats, or at least it did at the PT, where everyone just tried to respect it very hard. Maybe it's going to change in in challenges or leagues or at different levels at which you can play Pioneer. Yeah. Um, so I, I was curious if anyone on your team kind of did everyone just stick to their original pet deck more or less? Did anyone? get out of their comfort zone and play like, you know, they were like, okay, I'm just going to play Phoenix because Phoenix is kind of the best deck and I should not play Ragnos Midrange because uh, it's not a good deck just to, to, to get a little dig at Ragnos Midrange. Did anyone like learn how to play Lotus Combo? You know, you're obviously a, a good Lotus Combo player and maybe someone on your team was like, okay, I'm just going to learn that deck. It's one of the best decks. Canister is on my team. Did anything like that happen or is it kind of everyone sitting in their comfort zone. Mm. There was another Polish Polish player, Marcinek, who played Lotus Field with me. We worked on the list together and we registered almost the same list. And uh, he was waffling between his deck choice, but eventually he went with Lotus, but he has a lot of experience with Lotus previously, so it was not a new deck for him. No one on our team wanted to choose Lotus, really. But everybody kept saying that, yeah, like, I would play Lotus if I if I knew how to play it, right? And that also strengthened my resolve to register that deck. But, which is, which is what makes me think that maybe the legend of the deck just, like, is growing a little bit too large at this point. There is only so much you can skillfully do to overcome the fact that sometimes you like begin playing the game on turn three and sometimes uh, your opponent has a dumping sphere. Yeah, no. For a reminder, the deck had 47, 47 something win rate, and I'm sure a lot of people had the same experience as you. It's just, I think it's a really good deck. I think it's just not a, a good deck anymore when everyone has two plus damping sphere or something similar mm-hmm. on their sideboards. There's only so much um, you can make up for. Yeah, it was kind of the same on our team. Everyone, you know, blue-white control was looking good at first, a few weeks before the PT, but a lot of people were saying they probably wouldn't play blue-white unless it was extremely, extremely strong when it ended up not being, which we realized, and it, it, it didn't end up doing well at the PT. I felt like we were fairly on point, was realizing pretty early on that Ragnos mid-range was not a good deck, and that blue-white was not as good as we thought it might be, or other people thought it might be. Um, but I, I'm not sure, yeah, no one really tried to to play, to, to practice with Lotus, and it's, I'm not sure what would have happened if we hadn't found that VAMP stack, so it's kind of kind of uh weird in a way that you know oh we're supposed to be good players but we're not always willing uh to to learn something new or you know is lotus really that hard to play does it take more than 
five, ten, 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 you know, five, ten leagues or five leagues with a deck and talking to a good player who knows how to play it? Or is it a I think bit it's of a more so, I think it's like more so about just the comfort zone. And clearly, many players are just very used to playing magic and like the, let's say, the like mid range way where it's just different, right? Yeah. In, accent you know i happen to to like many various combo decks in many formats so i enjoy this type of gameplay yeah so i naturally gravitate to to decks like this but i, I think it's more so like just a comfort thing than than it being so hard and like comfort is important right you want to be comfortable when you're playing for you know, eight hours on two days straight, you would rather be in a like mindset where that's that you're used to and that you are good at navigating instead of one that I don't know, might aggravate you or make you feel worse. Yeah. So it makes sense to me that people behave that way. Not for sure. Um so so uh, what was the final split of players playing so you said a couple of you played lotus some people played phoenix i'm assuming yeah so there was uh, in the polish house there was two ragdos midrange players uh, both alan and zerg chose the deck and they also were extremely prepared for lotus even even more so than like an average player that they ended up facing in the tournament they had two dumping spheres two krenkos bus crushers wow. on top of like all of the Discard spells. Przemek uh, Olszewski chose to run Quintorius combo. He was he was one of the two players registering Quintorius in the entire tournament. He went seven three in the constructed portion. I think the other Quintorius players also yeah, did well. Six did four. That. I think it was Quinn. Quinn. Um, he's Quinniac on Magic Online. I think. Mm-hmm. The deck had an over record of 13-7, so it means yeah, so... six and four. I forget his last name. Sorry, Quinn. Quinn Tonal. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so you know he was Shemek was later bragging about uh Quintorius <laughs> having a godly win rate at the PT, so yeah, that's know. the one deck we didn't test. I know there was an early kind of um you know win rate. Win rate spreadsheet or whatever from Magic Online uh, d- results and Pintoris combo was one of the best win rate deck. It was really small sample, but I was telling my teammates maybe we should you know give that deck a try, but no one no one was really on it. So I think the few people who tried it weren't impressed. So still like super small sample size, but the deck uh, performed well for these two players. All right, but I have you know questions for you, Gap. Okay. Namely, tell us about the vampire deck. The vamp. Yeah. Second question would be: Tell us why did you end up why why did you end up not playing the vampire deck? So the vamp deck came from Paul Ritzel, who is a Hall of Famer. He was decided to play that Pro Tour. He tested with us, and I think the original idea was to try and find a good Cavern of Souls deck to exploit blue white you know normalize and we thought about humans we thought about spirits maybe even merfolk 
and I guess he decided to try vamp at some point. Mm -hmm. And I think the I was going back to check our Discord and the other day, and I think the the first signs of vamps is maybe ten days before decklist submission, and it started as a mono black deck, which Paul ended up playing at the PT. He's the only one who stuck to mono black. But yeah, basically he started playing the deck. It was doing well. Um, you know, we kept track of our results on our spreadsheet, and we we didn't love anything. You know, we weren't doing so great with blue white. We we're doing fine, like you know, maybe fifty two percent win rate. Maybe Phoenix was like fifty four percent win rate, and the Vam deck was closer to fifty seven. Towards the end, I think it was even a little higher. And I think just four or five days before Dexter's submission. We started exploring other other versions, so a black red version, very close to what I ended up playing, as well as a black green version. And it was funny because um, BK, who's LSV's friend, um, what can I think of his name? Anyways, one of LSV's good friends, um, uh, Andrew Beckstrom. He played the black green version was Elves and Huntsman in a challenge, and the list actually got published. So mm. I, w I was wondering if anyone saw that list was, you know, Sorin and Vein Ripper. It did have both the Sorin and the Vein Ripper in it. And we we're not super happy with it, but I guess no one really noticed or cared in the end that, uh, I was wondering if anyone noticed the list. I was like, "Oh, that looks cool." One, but... one of the, yeah, one of the things with the fact that there is so many challenges nowadays is that it's much easier for a result like that to drown in, you know, five in the in the five weekend challenges that happen in Pioneer. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But there was so few, you know, new different decks that it could have stood out, but. Yeah, anyways, the, the deck was was doing really good, you know. The the red black version was doing really good against blue white. Against Phoenix, it was close. We felt like it was a little behind in our testing. And they played a bit against mid-range. You know, we only had so much time left, so we we tried to 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 play a bit against all the top decks. Um and yeah, long story short, the deck was doing well in testing. Um Seth was trying a mono green, mono green uh, Nyctus deck with the new Leyline. He was not playing Storm. Mm -hmm. He was just trying to ramp into um, Cavaliers, Titans, and Ulamogs. And he he almost played the deck if if we didn't have you know if the, the team wasn't so high on the Vam deck. I think he would have played his mono green deck. I was I was kind of really liking the Vam deck. It made my decision tougher, but. Ultimately, I decided to just play blue-black controlled because it had really good results. Uh, you know, out of all the decks, we played more than 100 games or matches. Uh, blue-black control had the best win rate. So I decided to just, you know, trust the process, hoping I could execute, play well, and not get any draws. I kind of told to myself, who knows if that's true, but I kind of told to myself, okay, I'm going to give control a shot, 50-minute rounds. If it's a miserable experience, if I do poorly, if I get a bunch of draws, I guess I'll just, you know, kind of be done with control at the Pro Tour. So uh -huh. I'm not sure if I would have stuck to that, but 
I, I did do okay in Sofia with blue white control. That was the Pioneer RC a, a year ago. I didn't get any draws. I did good, do good with blue white, blue black control last time I played it. That was a while ago, but that was Nationals. That was when Scarab God was in Standard. And I had a lot of reps with the deck, and I felt like that translated well into paper. I was playing the deck fast and pretty pretty good. So, yeah, just decided to to trust myself, and it worked out. I, I went 8-2. All right, so you went 8-2, yeah. but was, were any of the games close to being drawn? Uh, one of my losses against Ragdos mid, I lost in the last extra turn. I think I'd made the decision I was going to scoop because I think we were we were one two. It was after the draft. It was the first round of of constructed, and you know if I, ideally what I like to do is before game three I like to ask my opponent if they, you know if one of us is clear ahead if the other can scoop. I didn't do that, but you know a draw is almost worthless at this point, and. Uh -huh. um, you know, in Pro Tour Barcelona, I had one of my opponent, I had one of my opponents just scoop to me in a similar spot. So I figured I would, you know, return the favor and and if I, I was like super dead on board. It turns out they killed me in the last turn, so that was not a problem. But um and that was that was the closest I got to a draw. There was a few matches that were somewhat close. There was maybe one match if I had not won 2-0, you know, maybe we had 15 minutes left on the clock, but no, I, I was playing Mostly really fast. I guess against Brent, against my teammates, I played against Vamps and I killed him with like a minute left on the clock. Uh -huh. So not extra turns, but yeah, it was it was close but manageable. But I was blitzing a lot of the the decisions. I had a lot of practice with the deck, and um, you know I think I maybe punted both my losses too. Um, one one wasn't a time issue. One was just me playing bad. The one against Ragdos, it was in game two. I was up a game, and maybe if I'd taken a little more time, I could have gotten to the right play. But it it was tough, but manageable. So if it if it happens again, that I think control is is really good. I I'll I'll, I'll probably give it another shot. All right. You know, so the stories of the the Vam deck. I know people were memeing. I was a little surprised when people were just like, "Is that deck good? Why are they playing this?" You know, it's almost like they're assuming we, you know, we didn't test. We're just we're just there for the memes. Um, so I was a little surprised at some of the reactions. Obviously, the it was not the majority, but it was kind of funny to to see some people who were just assuming it. Yeah, I mean, when you hear the words Rectus Vampires, it also sounds worse than like when you actually take a closer look at the decklist and, and you know, there's like a bunch of vampires in the decklist, but like the theme is pretty light. It's still like a Potsy's Push Fable mid-range deck and it also has an option to have a nut draw of, of Sorin to Vayne Reaper. So, you know, if I have to choose my free drop, then I would rather play Saurin and put a Vayne Reaper into play, then play a Graveyard Trespasser if you if I think <laughs> about it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Saurin's pretty solid card. Uh, you lose Kroxa because you want to play the Mutavolts to go with, with the Saurin, which, you know, is, is is kind of a big loss. And actually, I was, you know, I, I, I played uh, I played a matchup a bit in testing a couple matches. I thought like it was much easier. Still tough, but no Bang Buster and no Kroxa. Um, for the control decks, 
is um yes and no for blue black actually it was easier but for blue white i was the vein ripper were really surprisingly hard to deal with the damage added up because they, they kind of chip damage at you like harvester copter them the mutables and then by the time vein ripper comes into play you're pretty low and it, it's kind of tough to deal um way yeah, way tougher Sorry. If you supreme verdict, if you supreme verdict, they board with vein reaper. It just like can easily take six damage or whatnot. That's just a lot. Yeah, and you should have Soren left behind, so then they can like fling mutables at you, or if they get you low enough, you know, they just like a dust legion zealot as a lightning bolt. So yeah, it was it was tricky, but yeah, the deck was like close against Phoenix. I think they figured out the best sideboard plan in the end. It was Leyline. I think that's probably the matchup we played the most. Just sideboarded games against Phoenix, tried to figure out if Hurst was right, go blank, and in the end, um, it was a four leyline plan that they picked, and I think it was probably good against Blue White Control. The matchup were, was pretty favored as one of the big selling points. Raglus Midrange they didn't play a ton. I think they felt slightly favored. Lotus they felt favored was. Uh, you know, the appropriate hates, either three damping sphere or mm -hmm. two damping sphere bus crusher. And then we played a decent bit against Heroic too, or, or Boris Convoke, sorry, not Heroic. That matchup was really close. That matchup was close to 50-50. So, yeah, no, they, they decided, you know, I think towards the end we had 60% win rate with the deck, and that was like mostly internal testing, so, you know, not not factoring leagues and stuff. So, Kind of reliable oh, testing that's... which um was good but in hindsight maybe we would have done better with phoenix you know because phoenix had had a huge target on its back ended up having 57.5 percent win rate and um it, it depends what you think of the caliber of players playing phoenix compared to the players on our team I assume we're a bit they're a bit better on average, but maybe maybe it was all very experienced Phoenix who played the deck. So I'm not sure if 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 Vamp was, you know, the best choice. Even even despite the fact, you know, Seth won the PT and the deck did really well overall. Yeah. You know, what is also important is like not to get the best choice, but to get the good enough choice to win a tournament. In a way. But yeah, Phoenix Phoenix is really really well and just a great deck. Many Phoenix players choosing to go with a pair of main deck Ashioks, which is also <laughs> another nod to mainly Lotus Field. Although of course, like you can exile your opponent's graveyard in the mirror match, or you can mill yourself to just fuel your treasure cruises. So it does have synergy in that deck. But of course, the search preventing effect the biggest. Uh, very important in the Lotus Field matchup, which is typically very favorable for Lotus Field. Yeah, that's the low line, Brad, because I think a lot of them were, they were going to play Lotus Field, and it sounds like they kind of got a little scared, and then they kind of split between Amalia, Phoenix, I'm talking about Team Handshake. It's, you know, it's the first player in a team puts Ashoks into their Phoenix deck, and like, are you going to stick to Lotus looking at them, and yeah like yeah you know i'll switch i'll switch with you my friend yeah i heard that before the that, PT, and i was i was worried i was starting to have nightmares of people just having hearse in their 
deck hurts really good card against my deck stuff like that mm -hmm. but uh, i didn't play against anything too too crazy do you do you wish you had played phoenix in hindsight again like well, what made you really? decide between phoenix and, and lotus because i'm assuming that's the two decks you were considering strongly yeah those were like my two go-tos when i when i play pioneer uh lotus felt nicely boosted by the new printing the charm and i had some yeah the charm and i had like some minor nice technology in it i played a main deck atraxa and uh Build some cyborg plants around the around the charm, which like also just kind of lined it up, lined up in a way where I just played a good amount of Lotus after the set drought because there was stuff that was interesting to me and I wanted to figure it out. Where there was less of that in Phoenix and I hadn't played it in a while, so then I just rolled with Lotus after also. Oftentimes, hearing that many players on my team would like to play it, they just don't feel comfortable like playing a combo deck, or they don't feel strong enough at piloting a combo deck. It is, you know, given that mid range is just broken, and and magic is the best way to, it's the easiest way to win in current day magic for sure, or rather maybe not the easiest, the most effective way to win. I there is a likelihood I would have done better if I played Phoenix. But you know, what I what I do regret is that I hadn't searched up that Atraxa with my charm. That's like yeah. my biggest regret post tournament. Yeah, I mean if you just that, that game, you is... feel pretty good about your turn around your ten and six. Yeah, 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 yeah. Six and four, you know, just solid. Especially since this time I got a four two and limited, which is I think above average for my score. And I got my first PT draft trophy in six six years. Yeah, the last time I or seven years. The last time I got a trophy uh, was PT Exalan, the yeah. one I operated a while ago, which then led me into the MPL and like cascaded all of those nice things for me. So. <laughs> And ironically, it was not the deck that had Izoni in it. It was not yeah, yeah, it, it was not that one. It was like not the Izoni Rakdos deck. It was instead the blue white bread and butter, no rares, just solid tempo deck. That's tough. It's really even when you have a good deck, winning without rares in in modern day like limited, it's not easy. But if if something can do it, it's these like white X aggro decks, right? White red, white blue. Yeah, yeah, my deck ended up being really good, so I I felt much better with it than I did with my day one deck, which was like mono, mostly mono black, splashing red for Ragdos and some cards, also splashing green for Izoni. But like the overall card quality and the cohesiveness in the in the day one deck was pretty disappointing, and I won some of the games where I drew my bombs and they were really easy and then there was some games where I drew the weaker parts of my deck which uh, you know I had some aggressive cards which I ended up not being able to cut because at first I was trying to draft an aggressive deck but the aggressive cards were just not opened enough for me to do that and I ended up with kind of a mishmash 
So you know, it was a higher variance deck when I when I drew the rares, it was good. When I didn't, it was really bad. While the day two deck was just really good care if it was. Let me count that. Eight two drops, triple exit specialist. So Ooh. it just you know played beautifully, and I just carved out and attacked my opponents while they struggled to put up a defense in most of the games. So. Yeah. How how many drafts approximately did you do practice drafts before the Pro Tour? Uh, I would say around twenty. That's solid. Yeah. I think I only did ten. Coming that branch. Yeah, I did like ten, including two or three in house. It's it's a little lower. I usually do try to get to around twenty two, all all drafts included. And I don't know. That's what cost me. I went two four. I went one two twice. I felt like I drafted fine. I maybe. Had one or two bad picks that I that I regret, but looking at my decks, I felt like it was two one decks. You know, the the first deck on day one, I I was I even had hoped of Frios. I was white green splashing for Ragdos at two two of the white green enchantments buried in the garden. I had a, a sweeper to add good mana. I had two of the disguised creature that gets a land, does good removal. Mm-hmm. Solid card pool, just one to just honestly lost to good players was good decks and felt like a little variant. So I'm not sure if I could have done much better given the seed, given the draws, but I think I'll try to focus a tiny bit more on limited next time around, especially since I mean, I guess all the time I played constructed, this time pays off, but I feel like. It's usually not the case. You're you're usually better off playing a little more limited, a little less constructed. Yeah, yeah. Especially like it's easy to get into that point where you, where it's a pioneer PT and not a standard PT. Like you know, a standard PT would require a lot of attention and like actually, it's much harder to just choose a deck and have a deck for, uh, compared to to a pioneer or modern one. So. Certainly, that was a factor in my preparation too, where I paid more attention to drafts and wanted to just like stick to Lotus. Yeah, because this time around, Without it actually kind of. Endlessly. Yeah, I was gonna say this time around, it kind of paid off for our team and me. Whether it's the Vamp players or me playing blue black, we actually somewhat overperform, you know. Uh, with these decks so all the time we put in constructed paid off but i would say in general as you said for especially for pioneer you know and like you said you know pioneer modern it's decks you kind of play all year round you know the formats they might change a bit but not always a lot and you might be better off just spending a little more time drafting But yeah, I guess, yeah, that was my tournament, kind of 1-2 on day one, then 4-1 in Constructed. I lost to Ragdos Midrange in the first round. It was like kind of bad. I was like 1-2, first round I see I get paired against Ragdos Midrange, my only really terrible matchup. Lose kind of a close one. Then I, I start running pretty good. I won some some tough matchups. I, I beat Blue Red in Soul, which I think I'm maybe a little behind against, but... I won the die roll and kind of do, drew well both games. I got to meet Hook Masker six six goblins in, in game two. Uh, you know, I played around Spell Pierce, uh, which which he had. I was patient. I decided to go down to free, take the six points of damage, and 
play around spell pierce which won me the game so that was a good feeling you know to feel like at least i was on point and then day two was kind of a repeat i went one to a draft was a what i thought was a pretty good deck um and then i did well against and constructed losing once to lotus was a the, the proctor bailed actually which always looks scary on paper right proctor lotus field always looks scary on paper i'm not sure if it was uh -huh. better or worse did is that a build you considered at any point? And uh, what do you think about it in general? I did play with it a little bit and I thought about it, but I the tiebreaker that I used was that I preferred to not play strict proctor if I expect the mirror match to be a reasonable presence. And because it's really bad in the mirror, right? You, your opponent can just play the lotuses. They can just use your proctor. So <clears throat> I chose to... Since otherwise, it didn't seem much better to me in any way. Like the one matchup where I would really want to play Proctor was Amalia, which I didn't expect to be uh, a big presence. It does change Amalia from a pretty bad matchup to probably like a pretty good matchup, given how strong it is against their deck. Yeah. I just expected, I just planned on dodging Amalia and not having to play against it uh, so and amalia wasn't like a huge present at the tournament i believe was it was like five percent yeah so. some of the players who actually ended up playing amalia had actually some nice technology uh including my first constructed round opponent was carl sarah playing amalia with triple fauna shaman which is a card that seems well, first and foremost, good in the deck, good at assembling the uh, combo consistently, but it seems especially good against Lotus, where it just takes away like the, the last hope that they're not going to assemble their combo in time and just uh, kills you consistently. Yeah, it's nice with Return to the Ranks to make the deck yeah, just super consistent. I mm -hmm. played against a build with Knight Renta Vios. That card was really scary to me. They had two in the main. It was Brandon Akandio. He had two in the main, one in the sideboard. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I liked his his build as well. And Amalia just did really well. I think a, lo a lot of people didn't have the deck on their radar because they were like, okay, blue-white control is going to be popular and Amalia is terrible against blue-white control. Even though I'm not even sure that's super true. I know my games were really close against Brennan and he even said he didn't mind his blue-white control matchup as much. He had... Bats and Night Adder and Avios, amongst others. So that was the best way I have found to battle control of that deck when I was spending time on it too. Yeah, the, the Knights. That that deck would, did well. I know we expected. I expected a bit more Phoenix, closer to to twenty percent, and I expected less Ragdos mid range. I thought people would come to their senses and not play a, an average deck. The memes, you know, there was a lot of memeing going on. And, yeah, uh, yeah. It was you know Phoenix did really well most played decks, but then Ragdos and Blue White Control were second and third, and they had not great win rates at all. Blue White forty seven something, Ragdos really low, even lower than I thought, like forty one point seven, and then um, Lotus struggled too. So what? Well, I guess what do you think of Pioneer right now? Do you think Pioneer needs does Phoenix need a nerf? Because I would, I would say the bar, you know, if a, if a deck is 
has a target on its back, shows up in high numbers, people know about it, and it still wins over 55%. I feel like that's, you know, that's getting in like maybe a little too strong territory. Certainly it might uh, raise some raise some questions and it perhaps maybe like it is a bit weird from with 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 hindsight like the current bond just seems like a really baffling decision from from the perspective of time passing and uh, doesn't make too much sense to me but yeah phoenix it's just strong it is a you know treasure cruise deck yeah it seems to be able to to battle through hate as proven just really really strong so it's probably you know it's possible that Hmm. There is, there is, there. They have that window. I think next Monday, right? This Monday to to decide if they want to touch Pioneer the the week after the Pro Tour. It's March eleventh, I believe. It's been scheduled for that. So okay, so you got a couple yeah. Of weeks. Yeah. So they could they could go strong, strong army if think Phoenix too good and kind of kill the deck. You know, just ban Phoenix, for example. But maybe they could do something like ban Prankster. That was something that was suggested on my stream today. I thought that was kind of an interesting idea, you know, they could get rid of Treasure Cruise, but that kind of kills the deck. I mean, maybe you can replace it with Dick Free Time. It's probably not. Um, and it is... Bun Prankster sounds to me like ban all of these scams, combat tricks, territory. Well, I think it's like not something that's happening. I don't think that's something that's happening and like, I don't think it makes all that much sense. To ban Prankster, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sounds like a very impractical way to. Yeah, but then you, you know, there's the, the the problem of people who own the deck, and if you ban Phoenix, they, they I mean, I guess the other cards, they're fine cards, still lands and cantrips, and I'm not really sure. I guess maybe the deck's not that expensive. Um, but anyways, well, like I, I would be extremely surprised if any action gets taken in the upcoming. Bond window. I really like, think there's gonna be no changes. Yeah. Yeah, like even even if like the Phoenix deck is strong, it is like well within the window of the type of a deck that people love. So yeah. You know. Clearly as proven by many of the recent changes, it is more often than not not a really necessarily a matter of only win rates as you know we've seen with Karn and we've seen with uh, some other bonds, so yeah. All right, interesting. We'll see, I guess. I, I mean, I feel like it, it wouldn't be rational to 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 not do something about Phoenix, but I also wouldn't mind if they just announced no changes and let us battle a little longer. Was 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 the format and see see the the meta adjust? Because it it is true. One thing you can say to like as a counterpoint to the win rate of Phoenix is that you know maybe people shouldn't show up with not to not to this rag the smithering again but kind of you know I think it had what like 27% win rate against Phoenix or something ridiculously low 
just you know is it phoenix that is too good or is it people that are just not reasonable in showing up with a deck that just loses badly to the most played to the most played deck so i guess you can or make is it... that argument to to make yeah, or is it all changes. of the unlicensed heresies that had to go to to make space for a pile of dumping speed in every single sideboard yeah charity <laughs> a little 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 uh yeah unfortunate that's um, that's the case for you i guess that's one of the problems with lotus is that it's quote-unquote easy to hate you know it's very effective mm -hmm. to, to have damping sphere with that with, whereas for other matchups you know there's not much you can do to hate that on rigus mid even against blue white control it's not as clear-cut as oh i'm just gonna put a pile of damping sphere or bus crusher in my sideboard and have a 10 out of 10 like great sideboard cards yeah, that's that's why I say that midrange decks are broken in in today's magic. They just they just yeah. are. Yeah, you, know, you, you you know you can't beat them. No matter how much you try, you can't beat the midrange decks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like I'm saying, that slightly tongue in cheek, but like also, I kind of believe that that it is just a better, stronger way to play magic and. Uh, it's not the easiest to be a combo player, let's say, if like one wants to call themselves uh, that. Yeah, it is. It is somewhat cool to see that that there was, you know, a lot of a little bit of meta gaming, I guess, going on, and you, you could argue that um, maybe the. Yeah, Lotus was not such a good pick for this. It's I guess it's hard to know because it might be hindsight. Like every tournament, we're like, "Oh, Lotus is was the best deck," or people should show up with more hate for Lotus. What was it like? Ten percent of the field this time. For Lotus? Yeah, nine, nine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to talk about more about testing or the tournament itself some some cool stories maybe you were in chicago like we were both in chicago for a few days before the pt we had surprisingly good weather that was nice we, we basically had normal weather the, almost the whole time we were there and so that, that's interesting because weather was one of my minor complaints about the trip because well it was maybe normal it was also pretty uh random there was like you know there was one day when there was snowing and it was just really cold and then you know the other day it was like 15 degrees celsius yeah just pretty pretty huge swings so kind of just like playing lotus one game your opponent plays the dumping sphere you can't do anything in the other game you cycle triple vizier and you know i actually i actually had one game at the pt where I managed to pull off the legendary quadruple vizier cycle and it was pretty pretty exciting. Never happened to me before, but I just started cycling my viziers on turn three and I never stopped my opponent just died. Maybe a little turn three kill. Yeah, I had some cool games. Yeah, too. My... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, my point was very stoic about that too, like no not even like a single sign of like Frustration or even a surprise, I just like took it and <laughs> respectfully got destroyed. 
That was yeah. a pretty, pretty nice game. I had some cool games. I think I hard cashed Shark Typhoon in at least my first three matches. Um, even against Blue Red and Soul, which I didn't expect to do, but they had the Soul on a Citadel, so I figured just cycling for a Shark would not be enough. And I needed to hard cast to have more blockers. Um, just some, some, some pretty good games overall. Lots of close matches. I lost to... Man, that was the bane of my existence. I would say my MVP was my one sideboard uh, Chase Rinse Prodigy. I think it won me uh-huh. three or four games when I cast it on turn two. And the bane of my tournament was that blue-green X spell in limited, the counter spell that puts counters. Uh-huh. I lost to that card to three time like three different opponents had one or two copies of that card in their deck, and that card's just totally obscene. It's it's so hard to beat. Um so that kind of single-handedly ruined my my top eight chances, I guess. Raw same. I also got demolished by blue green X spell, but the one that hit me was was also the one of the two extra X's. Oh, it was, it was double gank. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's one of the best. I think it's like yeah, top five, top ten rise in the format. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It was I was. You know, getting my hopes up, the game was looking good. I was playing against Dom Harvey in the final round of the first draft, and uh, the game was looking pretty good for me. I thought maybe I can win, which, you know, a 2-1 for my deck that it was that had bombs but looked medium. That would be a score I would be happy with, but unfortunately, uh, Dom swiftly tapped 8 mana and just took control of the board immediately. Yeah, I had a funny story in testing against Jim in one of the drafts. He had that card in hand, but he was mm-hmm. pretty low. I think he was down to two. And literally, if I draw anything in my deck, I I just lose to him making a bunch of copies. And I draw the 2-2 the haze, the red herring, the fish. The 2-2 haze, that was like my one-outer. So he was like kind of, you know, he was like kind of in, not shock, but all, you know, disgusted. Just die was... Was that bomb on hand to, to to my haste haste to to that's kind of funny, but um, nice. yeah. Uh, what else? What else can we talk about? We, we, oh, yeah, talk- far, we can also like you, know, you asked me about the trip in yeah. general. You know, the, the trip was pretty pretty nice. We stayed in a Polish house with like the PT drafters and also a slightly larger group. There was some there was some Polish players, Jendrek, Sodek. And a few others who arrived from Poland to play in the MagicCon uh, portion of the tournament. They battled in the standard GP. And then later on in the secret layer uh, showdowns, Yandrek managed to uh, win a Merktide regent from the secret layer tournament. So that was pretty nice for him. And uh, overall, you know, obviously we had the chicago deep dish pizza which i will rate as fine but not all that exciting yeah i only had one slice they ordered it one day um not sure if it was from a super good place but it was it was good it was pizza but nothing nothing super special we had a nice but we had a nice Airbnb. kind of like sorry 
Yeah, it's kind of like pizza, kind of like lasagna, like pretty hard to tell, right? But uh, overall, I'll be looking forward to qualifying once again for anything. Yeah. Uh, in like at any point, I don't know when will that happen. The current system is a bit brutal when it comes to dropping off the trains. Uh, I ho- I'm hoping that it's going to happen someday, but uh, not getting my hopes uh, up all that much. Yeah, it's tough. You, you did it fast last time. You you requalified almost instantly, but hopefully you can do that again. Yeah, our house was super nice. Our Airbnb was nice. Uh, there was a couple of good restaurants walking distance, but we used not, none of the good parts, like the... There was a basement, was a pool table, like a shuffleboard. There was even a popcorn machine. Uh, mm. But obviously, we, we used none of that. I just had like Thai food a couple of times, walking distance, Mexican. Then uh, we had a really good dinner on Saturday. We went to that place called Triple Crown in Chinatown, just one of the best Chinese restaurants I've ever been to, especially, uh, you know, given the price. And, um, yeah, just hanging out. Just nice to hang out. Hang out with friends. And on Friday night, we went to just a good burger place. Just kind of me, Seth, Reed, and Logan. You know, big groups. I feel like over four or six people at dinner, it's like it's too loud. To You can't even talk to anyone. Like, kind of, what's the point? So I kind of liked uh, that, that dinner on Friday, too. It just... You know, it's it's a cliche, but the gathering, seeing your friends, is 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 the best part. Um, the tournament is just, you know, stressful, usually disappointment. You know, I even I I went ten and six, and I'm like, oh, you know, a little little disappointed. So by its nature, a tournament will produce a bunch of losers and only a few winners. Yeah, but. Uh, I, I still did enjoy. I was I was happy I could play my deck fairly well, do well in constructed, get the bragging rights. That part was nice. Uh, my teammates did great. We had I think we had fifteen people playing in the PT, and we all made day two. That was something that had never happened to us before. I think. Then obviously Seth won. Sam made top eight. Uh, a lot of us requalified. So yeah, just really. Really good tournament for for our, for our team, so that was that part was nice. So yeah, definitely looking to the forward to the next one. Seattle, it's already a couple months, and in Amsterdam, hopefully you will be uh, back on the on the PT for Amsterdam. Hopefully, we'll see. I already have my content creator badge secured for Amsterdam, and I will be there, no matter what, because it's close enough. Nice. And I think he, I heard you say on your stream you're going to be in Prague too in a few weeks. I'll be there doing commentary for the modern main event. Yeah, yeah. As I said, I need to qualify for yeah. uh, the upcoming RC. And if I can do it by playing modern, that's much more attractive to me than having to slack through standard RCQs, even if eventually standard will be the format that I would have to yeah. uh, practice. Um. I guess maybe one thing or, you know, one question I got and probably listeners wondering, like going forward in Pioneer, what do you, what would you play, I guess, if there was a, 
a tournament this weekend. I guess we're going to be putting our, our life on the line, but just in general, what how do you see um, the format evolving? I know I've been asked about vamps. I think the deck's here to stay. I think it's a Thoughtseize Fable deck. It has a powerful engine. It's kind of hard to hate. So I don't see it going anywhere. It might just, you know, replace Ragnos Midrange in a way. As far as blue-black control, I think mm-hmm. the deck is is pretty solid and well-rounded, especially if Ragdos midrange is on the down thing, that's a good thing. So, uh, you know, one of the reasons I chose to play is that I thought it was really good against Phoenix. Deadly cover-up was a huge boost. They can almost never be that card. Deduce was also a nice addition, just played well with the rest of the deck, so... Um, you know, my results since haven't been insane. I think I went 2-2 in a prelim today and 3-1 the other day. I played a bit of Explorer 2 was the deck, and, you know, I lost once or twice, but still like the deck. I know there's an arena championship at the end of the month that's Explorer, so it's like Pioneer was that Lotus Field combo, and it's missing a few so other cards. So Pioneer. Um, but yeah, what are what are your thoughts about the meta or if you have any going forward, you know, something like Lotus Field, for, for example, would you like still oh. keep working on the deck? Do you think you just have to wait till people shift their attention? So let's just go straight forward to, to that point and let's just put our lives on the line. All right, so good idea. For Pioneer, I choose Phoenix and my cyborg, con- my cyborg consists of Two Ashoks, one Tears of Valakut, and uh, one Cryptic Code, and the rest of the cards to be determined yet. All right, so Tears of Valakut is a red and one five damage to a creature, can't be countered, so that gets uh, that kills Vader Reaper without you to having sack a, a card. I guess Cryptic Code is for control and mid range, and then Ashok, you're, you're an Ashok believer. That card's good in Phoenix. It's it's gonna be in my cyborg to hate on Lotus Fields from an angle slightly different than Mystical Dispute. It's like a bit too easy to overcome just the disputes there and counters with things like Dromoka and all that stuff, but Ashok is an extra thing that hits from a different angle while also progressing your game plan. Seems like an effective hate card for yeah. that purpose. All right, I'm gonna put my life on the line. I am gonna play Blue Black Control, the surprise of no one. I think if anything, the deck might be in an even better spot. Uh, if there's, in theory, it should be more Phoenix and even less Ragnos mid-range, which I think is good for the deck. So, yeah, easy blue-black Phoenix for me. Uh, so, yeah, I guess we didn't even remind our, our listeners, but I'm sure most of you know that Life on the Line is a theoretical tournament. If you win, you live. If you lose, you die. And, yeah, we had to bring one deck in the format we talked about. So, yeah, as always, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you have any extra questions, both Canister and I stream daily on Twitch. Uh, Canister, where can we find you? Twitch.tv slash Canister underscore MTG yeah. or on my Twitter, which is Canister MTG too. Yeah. Um... Definitely felt like we missed maybe Pat. It would have been nice to have him on for this app, kind of pick our brains and, you know, as a as a viewer of the PT, um, 
see how he felt, but hopefully he'll be back with us next time. And mm-hmm. yeah, um, as always, thanks for listening. We'll see you all next time. I'm rambling. Take care and have a great week. Take care.